Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we get started, I want to encourage you as you make your travel plans for the coming year, remember johnnydollarair.com. Johnny Dollar Air is a Priceline affiliate, so you can name your own price on hotels, rental cars, airline tickets, or even more. Uh, or also choose from published fares, just like going through uh, Priceline.com. However, if you go through johnnydollarair.com, Part of your purchase price goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, as we get underway with three days of uh, Christmas programming. And it all begins with us going back to 1957. We skipped over uh, the 1957 Christmas special, and so we return to that. So from December the 22nd of 1957, here is the Carmen Kringle Matter. Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny. How's the weather in Palm Springs? A blonde in a bikini just melted past my poolside window. Goodbye now. Oh, don't hang up. Uh, Johnny, this job's just a few miles north of where you are. It'll take maybe a day to clear it up. Yeah, you said that last Christmas, Pat, and I got trapped in a blizzard. This season, I soak in the sun. Happy New Year. John, boy, we have a bonus list in this office. Your name could be on it. Uh, near where I am, huh? <laughs> it's a ghost town in Calico. Old prospector named Kringle is breathing his last up there. I thought old prospectors never died. He wants to change the beneficiary on a $50,000 policy, but a nephew, Ned Kringle, threatens suit if we let him. So you contact our agent, Gene Craig, in Barstow. Who's the new beneficiary? Uh, Carmen Kringle. Carmen? A borough. A borough? Yeah. Uh, if I don't hear from you, Johnny, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, Act One of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Carmen Kringle matter. Expense account item one, $1.40. Telegram to Gene Craig and Barstow telling him where and when to meet me. Item two, $50 even to Al Sterner for his charter plane to the ghost town of Calico. book says there's something about desert country that's good for the soul. And in spite of the air bumps, I got a panoramic view of the great Mojave that took my breath away. The sun-setting rays hit the weird mineral straighters of the Calico Range and turned them into a patchwork of beauty. Night comes quickly in this country, and I turned to well when a Christmas tree cluster of blinking lights appeared under our wing. By way of answer, he put the plane into a glide and set us down on the smooth surface of a dry lake bed. You want me to wait around until your friend shows up? No, no, thanks. I was 
seems to be plenty of company. That's just an old coyote. Don't stand too long or you'll freeze to the spot. Okay. Good luck. Call me when you want to be picked up. I watched Al's plane until it was swallowed by the darkness. And suddenly I got that feeling in the hair on the back of my neck that I wasn't alone. The moon was up enough to make out shadows, and silhouetted in a circle around me was a strange collection of figures. One of the pack moved toward me, and for a crazy second, I thought I'd bumped into Santa Claus's reindeer. Then a car without lights came rushing at me. The headlights slammed on, and I got a glimpse of a donkey herd scattering into the night. All right, mister. Walk toward me. Slow, with your hands high. I've learned never to argue with a Winchester 94, so I followed orders. I spotted the weaving headlamps of another car approaching and prayed it was the agent, Gene Craig. Close enough, Sonny. I can pop the rattlers off a sidewind at 60 yards. So don't you make no sudden move. He was maybe 60 with gray sideburns and a frosty goatee. A marshal's badge was pinned with leather jacket. All right, now, mister. Marshal, Marshal, that's all right. That's Mr. Dollar. Huh? I'm supposed to meet him earlier. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Dollar. I'm Gene Craig. Huh? I you... couldn't get here until I drove Doc Spangler up to Chris. He's had another setback, Marshal. Yeah, some darn fool let down a rail on his corral and Chris Kringle's whole herd got loose. He don't give a chuck for most of them, though, except Carmen. Now he's fretting because she's running wild. Almost had him tracked down when this year fella showed up. If you vouch for him, huh, Gene? Well, you are Johnny Dollar, aren't you? Well, a frozen facsimile. Come on, I'll drive you into Calico. You tell Chris that I'll have his Carmen back in the corral before the moon's full. And, uh, Gene. Yeah, my Tell the old sourdough to stay alive, will you? We need him around here. Sorry about mistaking you, Mr. Dollar. Gene Craig, with a J, knew her way around. She was strictly business and filled me in fast on the old prospector with the odd name and his desire to change the beneficiary of his policy. Everybody calls him Chris because every year he loads up his burrows with toys and presents for the miners and their families back in the hills. Uh The kids really think he is Santa Claus. I'm afraid it won't be a very merry one for them this year. What makes everyone so sure Chris Kringle is giving up the ghost? Doc Spangler says there's nothing apparently wrong with him. more like he's given up. Oh, what's with this Scrooge character, the nephew? Ned Kringle seems all right. It's the man with him, Willie D'Agostino. He does the talking for Ned. You think he was going to inherit the money? Well, maybe he's expecting to. You know, you're making a good case for Carmen. Can a girl be a beneficiary, Johnny? <laughs> Chris can leave it to a three-masted schooner if he wants, providing a trust is set up. Could the people of Calico be that trust if they promise to take care of Carmen? Yeah, I guess so. Why? That's the way Chris wants it. That way, there'll always be a Christmas in Calico. <laughs> what happens when Carmen goes to donkey heaven? Or is it burrows that never die? There'll always be burrows in Calico, Johnny. And one of them could always be named Carmen. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Carmen Kringle Matter. Well, here we are, Johnny. Calico. 
once the richest silver city in the West. It was unbelievable. Like seeing a page from the past. Walter Knott, famed creator of Knott's Berry Farm and Western historian, had bought the old ghost town's battered remnants and restored it to the way it must have appeared in the wild and fevered days of the Silver Lord. I could make out signs nailed to weathered batten boards that told of a flourishing and colorful past. Joe's Saloon, The Last Chance, Hyena House Hotel, Lane's Mercantile, The Calico Prince. High on a hill at the edge of town, people were gathered at the entrance to a cave that was illuminated by hundreds of miners' lamps. And it gets you, huh? Almost like it was planned. You're rehearsing for the Christmas Eve pageant. Maybe you can spend Christmas Eve with us, Johnny. You don't have other plans. I have a day with a steam-heated swimming pool. What? Come on. Let's meet the old man. Expense account item three, a hundred bucks for a quart of perfume or a mink scarf, anything to wipe the hurt look off of Jean Craig's face. She led me up the steps to the rickety porch of Chris Kringle's wooden shack. A tall figure carrying a black bag stepped toward us out of the shadows. I'm glad to see you. Will you drive me back to town? Why, certainly, Doc. Oh, this is Mr. Dollar. Hi, son. Hi. Chris, is he still all right? I couldn't say. Been sitting out here waiting for you. You haven't seen the patient? The medical man owes a duty and all that, but I'm too old to talk back to a gun. They wouldn't let you in? Tired of it. Well, I'm not a medical man. Well, please be careful, Johnny. I told you, Starbone, stay away and leave the old man to... Well, if it ain't a little genie, the policy fixes. And who are you, mister? Willie D'Agostino. This is Johnny Dollar. He's from the insurance company to see about changing the policy. Who is it, Willie? Who are you talking Relax, to? Relax, will you, and let him give us some tourist directions back to Barstow. There'll be no policy changing at this late date, mister. Ned Kringle is very bereaved at the imminence of his uncle's demise. Just family admitted at this sad hour. So mosey along, folks. I'll leave the young man to his grave. <laughs> Your foot is in the door, mister. I don't like your foot. And I don't like you. His hand moved to his shoulder holster, but Jean was standing right beside me. It was Doc who suddenly shouldered past Agostino and fled up the stairs that gave him my chance. I kicked the door wide. Threw him off balance. I shoved Jeannie aside, and that was a mistake. Because a million Christmas tree lights blazed up in my skull. Slowly, the tree lights faded away, and I saw Jeannie fussing over me and looking worried. A young, nice-looking fellow was seated next to a marble-top table. D'Agostino leaned against the stone fireplace and dangled his gun, smiling like he had a stacked deck. He's all right, Doc? A nasty cut, but no fracture. I know how to pull my punches, Doc. The old man. How is he? No better, no worse. Just lying up there staring at the ceiling. I want to see Chris. I have a right to, Ned. I'm an old friend. Wooly, wouldn't it be okay if Gene just went no, up? No, let him die in peace. He's past carrot hose season. Wooly, these people have I a right. I said no. I'll get a hero boy and his feet and shove off. Go on. Come on, Johnny. Help me, Doc. How's it going to feel, Ned? Sharing blood money with a hoodlum. Your uncle paid for that policy with a pick and a shovel. It took a lot of years, a lot of sweat. He's had your name on that policy ever since you were born. Oh, man, Kringle never saw pay dirt in his life. Ned had given money to live on, paid the premiums on his policy. 
Chris was always tapping the kid, claiming he had a new find. He was going to mine a million. Wait, shut up. The old man's dying. Tell him, Ned. Tell him how the old phony was always taking a bars, making like Santa Claus with the money you give him. Willie, haven't you got a... Tell him, hold on to the money. I know he's been waiting a long time for this. Me. Willie D'Agostino, that's who. Is that true, Ned? Yeah. I thought my uncle would make a strike someday. I... I honestly thought he'd strike it rich. I know he tried. He did strike it rich, Ned. When he dies, every man, woman, and child in this town will mourn him. He'll live in their hearts. What will people remember about you, Mr. D'Agostino? All right, I'll get out. Get out and stay out before I... Really? This rifle will make a hole in your belly big enough to pass a borax beam through. So you just drop that gun. I don't know what to shout him about, but you're guilty of carrying sidearms and you're threatening violence, Mr. D'Agostino. And ain't nobody does that in Calico, as long as I'm the marshal. Now, you better get. Ed Dollar, I love you. Oh, so let Gladys hear that. <laughs> well, I'll see how Chris is. Uh, Doc, okay. you tell the old buzzard that I got his Carmen back in the corral. Jingle bells and all. Yeah, nice work, Ed. Now, what's holding you, mister? Okay. Okay. All right, let's go, Ned. Uh, let the squares have a round, huh? I'm going to stay here, Willie. I want to be here when Chris... Hey, that's a good idea. That way, no fooling around with the will, huh? Smart kid, that Ned. Uh, see you at the funeral, huh? I'll go up now. You were wonderful, Marshal. You too, Johnny. Oh, yeah, sure. I take a nice sock on the head... Hey, you folks better come up, too. Chris wants to say something. Oh, wait, wait a second. I forget on this. Corral, come on. D'Agostino must have had another gun in his car. One of the bullets had found the mark he intended. Willie Boy wasn't taking any chances that Carmen Kringle would inherit $50,000. We found the burrow lying on her side, quite dead. Jingle bells and all. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Carmen Kringle Matter. Oh, Marshal. Johnny. How could he have been so cruel? Carmen dead. It's just not right. Yeah, I figured D'Agostino might be mean enough to try killing Chris's pet bull. We can't tell him about it. It would kill him for sure. You'll have to know the truth, Jean. You'll have to decide about the will. Yeah, truth is always the best. And easy this time. Easy? Huh? Yeah. I'll just take these bells off and this poor little fella, and I'll put them where they belong. Carmen? What? Carmen? Oh. Mosey over here now. Oh. Well, you pulled a switch. You put these bells on another book. Oh. Yeah. I didn't trust that greasy character, and I was right. A nice girl, Carmen. Oh, oh, great. Now, now, you folks going up and see old Chris. I'll keep an eye on this here $50,000 jackass. That's uh, the way it's going to be, ain't it, Johnny? Yes, sir. 
That's the way it's going to be. But I was wrong. The roly-poly little old man in the four-poster bed with his white whiskers resting on the quilt changed his mind again. Even after hearing about how the marshal saved Carmen. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to scratch Ned's name off of that insurance, Mr. Dollar. I tried to shake that bag of Stino, figuring he'd take his hooks off of Ned. If he thought my Carmen was going to get the money. Oh, I was scared for a while that I just might have to up and die to square my nephew's gambling debts. I, uh, I'm sorry, Chris. I'll work my fingers raw paying every cent I owe, but I'll pay him back with interest. I want you around. Yeah, <laughs> okay, Mr. Dyer. Yeah, Chris. Lift the lid on that footlocker and fetch me one of them bags in there. They're pretty heavy, but you look strong. Oh, they're sure heavy enough. You got them stuffed with silver? Oh, <laughs> it's better than silver. Open it up. Open it up there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, you recognize that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'd better have a good sleep, Chris. This here's plain old gravel. Oh, plain old gravel. It's uranium, Doc. Huh? The last batch assayed at $900 a ton. Well, and I got a mountain of it staked out. In both our names, Ned. You oh, don't care. Chris. Why, Chris? <laughs> Mr. Dollar, if you and Jeannie check with the Barstow Bank... You'll find that they'll extend credit on the strength of that assay. <laughs> you reckon you can spend two days buying enough presents so as we won't disappoint the folks hereabouts? Expense account item four, $68 even. Telephone calls to five principal cities where I thought Willie D'Agostino might be remembered. The police departments had a long list of reasons why they remembered Willie. That was my Christmas present to them. Expense account item five, another 50. Truck rental to haul the presents we bought for Ned to give away come Christmas morning. And then it was Christmas Eve. We sat on the Kringles' porch and watched the procession up to the Maggie Mine. The flickering lights from the miners' lamps reflecting on the faces of the happy children. Oh, Chris was bundled up in blankets, his little eyes twinkling, chuckling to himself like he knew all the answers of the universe. Jean was there, too. Kind of nice, isn't it, Johnny? Kind of nice. Marshal Ed Noller was one of the wise men in the procession. I recognized the sideburns. And Doc Spangler couldn't hide his height. Oh, he wore an awful beard. Ned Kringle led the burrow that carried the Blessed Mother. Yeah, you guessed it. The borough was common, Crane. Expense account total, including return to Palm Springs and incidentals, $229.75. But forget it, Pat. This is the best holiday I ever had. And I was only cold at the start. From all of us to all of you, may this be your very merriest Christmas ever. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a Madam's Wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Well, a very heartwarming tale that really does continue in the great Johnny Dollar uh, tradition of uh, fantastic Christmas specials. Now, this episode also had a very special uh, writer, uh, a guy who went by the name of Robert Bainter. But that wasn't his real name. It was his pen name. And uh, here's a hint. Bainter was Bailey's mother's maiden name. So yes, this episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, was actually written by the Johnny Dollar actor Bob Bailey. And Bailey really uh, did want a uh, writing career, but it didn't really uh, take off, which is a shame because this was a very uh, good script. Uh, perfectly heartwarming, what you kind of expect for a Christmas episode, though with a little bit of action like you would want with uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Overall, this is actually just a really delightful episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and there's more ahead. Uh, join us back here tomorrow when we'll be bringing you uh, Dragnet. And next Friday, uh, be sure and listen for Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And of course, next Tuesday, we begin with Tales of Fatima. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.